You're listening to Spice Radio 1200 AM, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, thanks for joining us this morning, and how are you doing? Oh, very well. Thanks, Vancouver, and it's great to be here. Thank you so much, Charlie. Always love having you on the show. Now, there is a lot that has been happening this week. And one story, and this is a big international story, is the police in India have launched a major crackdown in the northwestern Indian state of Punjab. What do we know is happening currently? There seems to be a lot of questions. Yeah, and and part of the reason there are a lot of questions is because they've shut down the Internet. Um, in a in a state of 27 million people, which has very very deep and historic uh, ties to British Columbia, and and as a result, it's creating intense concerns. Um, it, it it seemed to start with this activist named Amart Paul Singh, um, who uh, he's not that old; like he's described as 30ish, and uh, he was is. Uh, Talking a lot about Sikh sovereignty, um, and, and that has raised concerns. Is this the Khalistan movement uh, becoming re-energized? But at the same time, this crackdown also coincided uh, shortly before the first death anniversary of a rapper named Sadhu Muswala, and um, Muswala actually ran for Congress against the governing uh, the AAP and the BJP, but the AAP won, won the election. And so basically the day before there were going to be this Barsi, there was going to be commemorated in Punjab, the lights went off, there's no internet, there's a crackdown on, on uh, the protectors of Punjab, this group, um, Amrit Paul Singh, heads up, Boris Punjab D. It was founded, uh, interestingly, um, by, by a film actor um, who who died under uh, you know reportedly in a traffic accident, although some have have questioned whether that's uh, the case. The backdrop to this is there's a, a rising drug problem in Punjab. The BJP and and the Home Minister nationally, um, um, Amit Shah has been talking about this and the need for action. Uh, it has the AAP on the defensive. And and, and so, so all of this is happening. And it's very hard to figure out. It's quite, quite murky. And then you juxtapose that with recent uh, jailing of Raul Gandhi. Um, and he was, uh, you know, defamed the prime minister uh, during the 2019 election campaign, and and he's now been kicked out of Parliament. This is the son of a former Prime Minister, Rajiv Gandhi, and and part of the the, the Gandhi family. And so, lots happening in India right now. And um, even uh, Justin Trudeau has uh, spoken up and said he has some concerns. So, so that's kind of the. The big picture, but but what exactly is going on? How many people have been arrested? Uh, there have been some reports that Amrit Paul Singh was actually arrested, um, but the police said that he escaped. Uh, he he actually did some things which warranted the police action. There was a, a raid on a police station, um, and and police are saying he's uh, wanted for attempted murder, kidnapping, and other crimes. So, 
it's a big mess. <laughs> we'll see where this goes. Exactly. We'll see where this goes because I think for a lot of us, we have so many questions. So I hope we get more clarity in the coming days. So thank you for that explanation, Charlie. Now, another story, as this is to do with BC here, is of course, we are, our minimum wage here in the province is going to go up June 1st. But there's been a lot of advocates that, of course, have been speaking out saying, you know, in order for people to live here comfortably, the living wage should be $24.08. And Charlie, there's such a big difference there with our minimum wage and living wage. I mean, what do you think of that? Yeah, the, the, the gap is, is tremendous, and that's partly because of the inflation, but also just the rise in costs, particularly of housing in, in British Columbia. I do give Harry Baines, the labor minister, a lot of credit, because when he became the labor minister, the minimum wage was rock bottom, and 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 he took action and John Horgan government, and they raised it. Uh, the problem is, uh, so it's going to actually reach possibly 1672 in June. The small businesses are, are screaming about this, saying that this is very difficult to pay. Um, the flip side is, as you pointed out, that the living wage has gone up uh, really rapidly as well. Um, and and so it's the government is kind of stuck in this situation. Um, part of the issue, though, too, is is uh, there's a labor shortage, and jobs uh, employers are being forced to to pay more, but it's not at a living wage. And and, and so the workers, you also you also get things like transit costs continue rising across the region. The NDP government has curtailed the increases. It hasn't been as extreme as during the, the liberal years. Uh, the same with rents, where the NDP has kept it to the rate of inflation. And then for, for next year, it's it, or for this year, it's even lower than the, the rate of inflation. But it is, uh, there's just this problem of just how expensive it is to live, particularly in the Lower Mainland. And like you said, Charlie, too, it's like you've got these two parties. Of course, there's a concern of the small business. You know, would they be able to pay the wages up? Like, let's say it did go up to $24, then there'd be a lot of challenges there. But, Charlie, do you remember even when COVID had hit, there were a lot of conversations, especially in the time period of the CERB coming into play, of creating a guaranteed livable income. Do you think that's something you could see happening in the future? Well, I think there, there's considerable um, um, support for this, and it actually crosses party lines too. That uh, one of the foremost uh, proponents of this traditionally is a former conservative senator, Hugh Siegel, who used to work in the office of uh, conservative Prime Minister Brian Mulroney. So, and then and then the people on the left are supportive as well. The NDP government in BC did a report that kind of poured cold water on this idea, and that uh, aroused uh, a lot of criticism from the supporters of. Well, it goes by different names, but one is, uh, you know, a basic basic income or a guaranteed annual income, and but it does seem with the rise of artificial intelligence and the possibility that. 
machines will be doing a lot more work that's normally done by human beings. And if we get to autonomous vehicles and what that might do, you know, for the trucking, the taxi industries and things like that, I think we're going to see increasing support for a basic annual income and sooner or later, perhaps within the next three to four years, we'll see a major party support it. And I think I'll see, we'll see this in my lifetime. And I'm not that young. I'm not as young as you men, Karen. So, <laughs> but I might be wrong. But it just seems like the way things are going with the rising cost of living, the gap between the minimum wage and living wage, and automation, which is increasing productivity and more wealth is being created, why should it only go to the top? Maybe we should be looking at efforts to, to spread the wealth. Yeah, I agree with you, Charlie. I could definitely see it coming very soon. Now, another story, Charlie, coming out of Vancouver. You talked about something interesting. Until the branches bend, filmmakers incorporate indigenous viewpoints into a dramatic feature about an invasive species. Tell us about it. Yeah, I found this really interesting because rather than just doing an article about a movie, which it's a good movie, Until Branches Bend, that's a BC shot in the Okanagan about... uh, and invasive species of bug um, infecting the peaches, in, and uh, it's, it's really worth watching. But what the filmmakers wanted to do was they said, that, you know, the indigenous presence is a reality. We can't just overlook this in the film. So they created a separate storyline that addressed this, but also in terms of training the crews so they would do work, workshop. Uh, so they first incorporated the indigenous uh, component in the script, but also um, in workshops to train the crews about the history of the Sealix people, the Okanagan uh, in the Okanagan. Um, and this isn't the first time this has been done. Uh, the producer of this film, uh, Tyler Hagen, also did it on an earlier film, The Body Remembers, which was about. Uh, focused on urban indigenous issues in East Vancouver. That film won a pile of awards. So we're starting to see the film industry, and he says it's an investment in crew. He thinks if people were more sensitive, the film industry would be less extractive, more respectful of uh, First Nations. And and it's a new thing, and it's uh, kind of being pioneered in BC. I wouldn't be surprised to see it spread. You know, we, we have a lot of good ideas come out of BC, then <laughs> Karen, like same-sex marriage. Um, not that the idea came from BC, but we were leaders in terms of advancing it. The, the, the quitting smoking movement, uh, environmental movement, and Greenpeace came out of BC. And now we're seeing uh, this respect for Indigenous uh, culture uh, being manifested in the film industry in ways I never really expected to see. That's really cool, Charlie. I didn't know all that, that we are the trendsetters here. So very proud, of course, of BC. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Have a oh, wonderful my pleasure. weekend. Pleasure, man, Karen. Have a great weekend. Thank Bye. you.